Welcome to the global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we bring you the best guests in all of true crime. And what's up, SGS Nation, and welcome to another episode of Surviving the Survivor, the only podcast that comes to you with two microphones for one guy, because we're having a mic issue, but uh, we will roll with it, and I think the sound is good, and that is all that matters, except for Tim Jansen coughing, but we are the podcast that brings you the very best guests in all of true crime, and today, a very interesting panel, to say the least, and you will find out why in just a moment. But uh, of course, new documents have been revealed in the case of the murder Microsoft executive Jared Bridegan. Uh, he got into an alleged argument with his ex-wife, Shanna Gardner, and her second husband, Mario Fernandez Saldana. Uh, they are accused of plotting his murder back in February 2022. Uh, and so all this material is coming out. Jared Bridegan was fatally shot in front of his car after coming across a tire in the middle of a secluded road, which was left there for him uh, essentially as a booby trap for him to get out and move it so a hit could be executed. Uh, his then two-year-old daughter uh, was in the back seat of that car and uh, was uh, uh, apparently a witness to all this, but obviously uh, very, very young at the time. And today, we're doing something we haven't really done before. Um, won't be the whole focus, but we've got two PR people here, public relations um, executives. And uh, some of these cases sometimes get spun around uh, by PR firms. So uh, we're going to take a look at that as I try to maneuver through my multiple screens here, which is easier said than done. Uh, and I don't know why it is not moving. So let me... Uh, Bring up Tiff Knox here for one moment, and I will remove her, and then there we go. Uh, so let me introduce best guests. Um, you know what? This is kind of crazy, uh, but this is not, believe it or not, not the first Olympian we have ever had. We had Haley Kopson, who was a figure skating uh, Olympian for uh, representing Israel. But today, you are looking at Carrie Zimmerman. She is co-founder of the Zimmerman Agency. You may have heard of some of their clients, um, Aflac, the great Gilbert Gottfried. Uh, he did that voiceover. American Airlines, Domino's Pizza, the PGA, Hard Rock, Firehouse Subs. You heard of any of these? Uh, Domino's Sugar, Marriott International, uh, country called Belize, Aruba, the list goes on. They do PR for all these places. Uh, Carrie Zimmerman founded this company. It is no surprise she is such a success because she won a gold medal at the 1976, not a gold medal? No, I didn't win a gold medal. Not even oh, coming in won all the gold medals. <laughs> oh, she won all the gold. Okay. Yeah. Well, I elevated you there. Oh, I was gold. But you did get you did score a perfect ten in the floor exercise. Is that right? Yes. Or was yes. That, I, you did. Yeah. Okay, that's crazy. So you scored a perfect ten, oh, but still Nadia Comaneci. Uh, she was the woman of that Olympics, correct? A hundred percent. Before we get back to the Olympics, because uh, why talk true crime when you can talk to an Olympian? Uh, <laughs> Carrie Zimmerman also addressed the United Nations twice on the powerful synergy between elite athletics and global entrepreneurship uh, to a forum of global leaders from 50 plus countries. She's been named one of America's top 10 savviest businesswomen, 
one of the top 200 women CEOs in America by Marie Claire. The list goes on. She's also a board member and president of the United States Olympic and Paralympic Association. Carrie, what age were you, before we get into all this, when you started your gymnastics routine? Because I ask, uh, my daughter is turning 10 and one is eight and they are far too old already. Is that right? The, oh, yeah, they're too old. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're too tall. Yeah. That's gonna You're too tall. No, um, I, oddly enough, there I had never seen gymnastics. I mean, remember, this was a really long time ago. And um, we had never seen gymnastics. We were the tumbling tots, literally in Tallahassee, and we were tumbling on the armory floor, hard floor, mm -hmm. no mats. And somebody from Florida State came in one day and just said, how about you do gymnastics? So um, I, we were doing really poor tumbling, which taught us everything, how to do it wrong. Um, and I switched over to gymnastics at 10. So relatively late compared to what you would do this time around, this in this well, age. And how old were you when you, um, by the way, Meg says, I haven't even won a participation award in, in gymnastics, but how old were you when you competed in Montreal? I was 18. I was 18. So you'd yeah. only really, you'd only really practiced, really only been in it for eight years at that point. Yeah. Well, I lived, I moved out to Oregon and trained the last three to make the Olympic team. So I moved mm -hmm. 3,000 miles away and never met the coach, didn't know where I was going to live, nothing. But that's kind of ordinary now. I mean, that's kind of expected that wherever you can get the best in whatever sport you're in, you have to move to wherever it is to get that training. So it uh, worked Raven out. Said, yeah, Raven says, I can't even walk straight. Um, either can I. Can you still, Carrie Zimmerman, can you still do a double back handspring if that's what it's called i can tell you i'm i'm really killer on a diving board really <laughs> because, oh, yes because you don't have to you know you can land in the water it's a lot easier to land in the water than it is to land on the floor so i can do a lot on a diving board and that's kind of my specialty is you know we'll be somewhere in the world and i'll go crazy and do something crazy off a ship or something like that and everybody's surprised but there's no great consequence to how you land if you land in water there you go. And look, there's the uh, the pictures to oh. prove it. Carrie Zimmerman competing. We'll get the video before the end of the show. I assure you of that. <laughs> but there is uh, the still pictures. How often do you meet an Olympian? Um, speaking of Olympians, let me tell you, there's always a funny connection. So, um, Carrie, are you f and then we'll get into the show. But when you have an Olympian on, um, you got to go with the Olympian <laughs> stuff. By the way, my the COE, and I'm getting to the COE in a second. Uh, this is a funny story, but um, the COE asked Carrie, "Are you standing?" To which she said, "Yes." And she said, "Are you going to be able to make it through the entire show?" And I said to the COE, "COE, this is not the COE. This is an Olympian. It's a different mindset." So uh, Carrie told us she will be fine uh, standing. She prefers to stand for all of you, including myself who are sitting. But let me tell you a quick COE story, and then we will, I promise we will get on with the other introductions in the show. So this was after, I forget which Olympics, COE, you can fill me in. And Ryan Lochte was the star American swimmer and a heartthrob. It was him and, uh, what's why am I blanking on the guy, the, uh, Phelps. Phelps is uh, the greatest of all time. Um, and so, Michael Phelps, he was not there, but we were invited to something in New York City. This is when I was working at Fox 5. And in walks Ryan Lochte uh, with his entourage. And it was me and 
the COE and I think our friend Sean, if I'm not mistaken. And everyone is taking photos of Ryan Lochte. What does the COE, this is on a rooftop in Manhattan, nice weather. What does the COE do? She has no idea who this guy is, no idea what's going on, and runs up to him and says, can I get a picture? And he says, of course. And the COE hands him her phone. In other words, she was expecting him to take a photo of us, having absolutely no clue that this guy was a gold medalist, uh, an American hero in the Olympics. A multi-gold medalist, by the way. Multi-gold medalist. So picture the COE going up to a guy with an entourage at a party saying, can I get a photo? And he's like, of course. And she hands him her cell phone to take a picture of us. And you know what happened? He took a photo of us. Um, and you know what? He loved it. He loved it. He loved that she didn't know who he was. So that was good. Yeah, he probably liked uh, flirting with the COE maybe. I don't know. But uh, look at this. <laughs> Met P, COE, you are absolutely the most amazing person on this earth. That is a true story, a 100% true story. Okay, so moving on. We've got... um famed Tallahassee defense attorney, R. Timothy Jansen, a partner in the firm Jansen and Davis. And by the way, even though it is months away, um, with the help of Carrie Zimmerman, we now have a book signing date in Tallahassee on June 6th at the Hearth and Hearth Hearth Okay, thank you. So uh, I will be there June 6th. And I will uh, once I, I met Carrie at the Charlie Adelson trial. So June 6th for everyone in Tallahassee, Carm is coming with me, buckler in, and uh, we are taking either a ride or a flight. Uh, Tim, by the way, also spent five years as a federal prosecutor. He's done it all. Uh, Chris Thomas, he's been on the show once before. He is president of Intrepid, a communication consultancy based in Salt Lake City, Utah. In this capacity, he has worked with clients ranging from Fortune 500 companies to professional sports teams. He's managed more than 300 issues and crises and contributed to several books before writing his own, which is called Unexpected. And that takes you behind the scenes, sharing new details, perspectives, and commentary on the gripping search for Elizabeth Smart. He was a big part of that story, and he weaves in his own coming-of-age experiences in the Church of Latter-day Saints. So a uh, very interesting uh, panel here, uh, no doubt. Um, I just want to remind everyone again that last Friday marked the two-year anniversary uh, since um, Jared Bridegan was murdered. Uh, that was two years ago, two days after Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day was the last day, uh, was the last holiday the family spent together. Um since uh, the last week or so, we've gotten 800 new pages of documents, and there was a quote. Uh, this is an older quote, but I'm going to read it again. Uh, this is from Kristen, uh, Kirsten Bridegan. I'm sorry, Kirsten Bridegan, the uh, widow, the now widow of Jared Bridegan. And she said back in January of last year, she said, as I learn more details of what happened to Jared, uh, you know that there's a tire. It's pretty clear that someone knew his route, his schedule. I felt since the beginning that this was planned. This was thought out, and this was specific to Jared. This was uh, over a year ago, and now it appears that this is true. The charges, Tim Jansen, in this case, um, for Shanna Gardner Fernandez and her now estranged husband, Mario Fernandez Saldana, 
is first degree murder, conspiracy to commit first degree murder, and child endangerment counts in connection uh, with Jared Bridegan's death. Um, how serious are these charges? Obviously, first degree murder has got to be the most serious. And again, Tim, very similar in an odd, eerie way to the uh, Adelson Markell situation. Uh, do we remember? Are they seeking the death penalty? If not, there's certainly it's a life sentence. But I'm I'm there sure there's death, death penalty. Death, right? death penalty yeah. is still on the table, and they're still working it out. Um, some have said that since Shanna is a mother, it's going to be very hard. But uh, we don't know for sure whether they are seeking it or not. But it's on the table as a possibility. Yeah, you can't get any more serious charges than death and possible life imprisonment. That's the the most serious penalties we have in the criminal system uh it's an egregious thing it clearly looks like it was planned out it was horrendous that if the mother did the ex-wife did it knowing her child was in the car and knowing her child would either see what happened or could have been injured um my understanding a bullet went into the car where the child was in the back seat um nothing is more horrendous than this crime mm. Um, Carrie, I'm curious, you know, I met you obviously at the Charlie Adelson trial, um, and you're a PR executive, uh, you know, founding one of the bigger PR agencies in the country. Um, what, what drew you to the Charlie Adelson trial and what's drawing you to this case? Well, first off, I thought I was sneaking into the trial. <laughs> I had never been in a courtroom in my life. I've never done anything personal in the middle of the work day. And I thought this is going to be awesome because I'm like everybody else. You know, the, the whole genre of true crime and all of that other stuff sucks us all in and we all love it. And um, I thought it's here in Tallahassee. This would be really kind of interesting. And I was enthralled by everything. I mean, I really was. So I think the fact that unfortunately the crime happened in Tallahassee, it has a lot of mystique and mystery around it because there's so many pieces. You've got family members, you have hitmen, you have Miami crime, you know, it, it really ran the gamut of what makes a good story you know, in a horrible way, but what makes a good story. So I was intrigued to go there and see how the process actually works. And it was uh, definitely intriguing to watch it all play out. Um, Chris, to you, um, <clears throat> we're going to get into the, you know, the, the PR side of this, but just you do crisis PR um, before we get, you're actually kind of tied into the Shanna Gardner case. And we'll talk about that, like I said, in a moment, but what is, for those who don't know, what is crisis PR? What do you really do day to day? So, uh, and I appreciate the the uh, question, Joel. Uh, from a, a corporate standpoint, we uh, you know, just maybe to clarify some things to kind of set the framework for the discussion. Um, I, my day to day job, about a third of that, is crisis and issues management. We work with corporations that find themselves in in trouble, often in the public eye as a of sometimes things outside of their control. An employee did something stupid. They're attacked by a, a customer, uh, allegations of impropriety. I mean, the list goes on and on. And, and so it, it's working with them, often working with their counsel, determining uh, how to communicate and how to represent uh, a client in the court of public opinion. And so, yeah, I spent about a third of my time working on, on corporate clients, uh, doing crisis and issues management. That's, that is my bread and butter. Um, outside of that, uh, I, I work uh, providing pro bono services to families in crisis. 
I've been doing this for 20 years, have worked with about 100 uh, different families. Uh, it stemmed from the Elizabeth Smart case. After that, started getting calls. Things came through the smarts, through different avenues. Um, and and uh, the reason I do that outside is we've never taken on a family as an agency client. Uh, and the reason we don't is uh, because most families don't have the ability to pay. Mm -mm. We do it pro bono. <laughs> Uh, so that we're able to to help people regardless of their circumstances. Uh, and also it, it it gives us the ability to extricate ourselves uh, in, in certain situations. And, and so I also work with a couple of volunteers uh, in, in this capacity. And, and uh, we've worked with, uh, you know, again, I've about 100 in the last few years since these volunteers started working with me. Uh, we, we've uh, probably helped another 30 families. Uh, very interesting. Um, and. Uh... How did you get into that? What were you doing prior to that? I'm always curious of the uh, evolution of someone's career. What what how did what did you start off with? Sure. Initially, I I worked as a journalist uh, for a season, and and then worked for a couple of uh, larger PR agencies uh, before falling into the company that uh, I've worked for for the last 23 years. And now I know Chris is smart. He got out of journalism young and uh, <laughs> did good and and made some money. Smart move. Um, Tim Jansen, uh, you are the legal eagle, the legal expert. Um, what we discovered when you and I were covering this last week, um, which is still of interest, and there's a lot of speculation about this, there were three co-conspirators, but now there's five co-conspirators, and those names have been redacted from all these uh, public documents. Mm -hmm. Obviously, uh, Shanna Gardner, Mario Fernandez Saldana, her estranged husband, and Henry Tenen. Henry Tenen, by the way, is uh, the self-professed um, and confessed trigger man. Uh, by the way, this is a picture right here of Jared Bridegan and his bride, Kirsten, and their uh, kids and uh, the older kids from his marriage to Shanna. And uh, here is this confessed trigger man, Henry Tenen, who's going to turn state's witness and by the way, shout out to True Lifestyle. She's been helping me a lot behind the scenes. And if you haven't checked out her channel, True Lifestyle, Susan Harmon, please do that. But uh, Tim, what does it tell us now that there's two other co-conspirators? And like I said, uh, people like Susan Harmon um, have very educated guesses on who these people might be, but uh, they have not been revealed publicly yet. Uh, what does it say to all of us that two other people were conspiring? Well, we know Henry Tenen has cut a deal. So Henry De Tenen has been interviewed, and they've interviewed him thoroughly on his relationship with uh, Mario. Is that my mic? I, or is that I don't know. Team? Let me mute myself. Can you hear me now? I can't hear yeah, you. Yes, yeah, I can hear you. Go ahead, Tim. Okay. So the co-conspirators are being charged because I think they want to get in statements that these other defendants made to other people. And if you're a co-conspirator, those statements are admissible. Otherwise, they would be hearsay and not admissible. Um, I don't know if it's the parents. Maybe the parents took some actions to either cover up the crime. Uh, I'm just speculating. I'm not saying the parents are co-conspirators. I don't know. But uh, I would take it as probably someone that's maybe in between Mario and Henry or Mario and the, Shanna. That's why I guess those are going to be the co-conspirators. And that they want to get in those statements. And um, 
carry to you, um, this is bizarre in that it's another horrific crime, but it is literally across the state, the northern part of the state from where you are. And like I was saying to Tim, it is so weirdly similar to what happened with Dan Markell involving the Adelson family. Um, is that also kind of what's drawing you to this case as well? Are you following this case closely? I'm not following it as close as the Adelson and Markell, but it's starting to wrap me into it because it does. It has all the components that intrigue everybody, right? Again, who would think that a mother would kill her ex-husband, the father of her children, with one of the children in the car, which is just amazing to me. And I know this is an accusation, but, you know, we're getting there. But I think the main thing is, is they're, they're, they seem to be playing a little bit of a PR hand playing their card a little bit from a PR perspective, but I think they're doing it poorly. <laughs> I think they're doing it in advance of when they really should be doing it. It's just like, you know, when you, when you read a really good story, right. Or, or you as a producer and everybody else that is involved in storytelling, there's an arc. And there's the same thing within media choreography. There is a time that you want to play your card with the media. And um, right now making the husband Jared look like, you know, what do they say? He's a hothead. And, you know, they're releasing all kinds of things, bits and pieces um, that dis is disparaging to him. And at the end of the day, if they're going to play that card, this isn't the time to do it. How long, Tim, do you think it could be? Two years, you know, before it even goes to trial? So you, you, you want to do, again, think about writing a story or telling a story or creating a movie. There's got to be an arc in how you go about doing that. And so right now it's just making them look bad and probably providing the authorities a lot more information than they really should be giving them and giving out. And I'm going to swing back to, to Carrie and talk to her about her PR career is unbelievable. Um, the clients that she has, and I'm curious, I'm curious just myself, no offense to SDS nation, how, how she built this company up the way she did. We'll get back to that in a minute. And obviously uh, Chris uh, had similar success. Lindsey Shea, Tim Jansen, is Henry going to testify in the trials? He's going to be the key witness for the state, right? Absolutely. He's he got a deal, and he's going to have to testify. Um, I agree with Carrie. Um, if you're going to use PR, you got to use it at the right time. You don't want to wait too late. You don't want to use it too soon. Um, the trial could take a year. Could be 18 months before they get to trial. And when you give out this information too early, your jury panel is going to forget it. And you're tipping off the state what information you're throwing out there so they can prepare to defend again or uh, knock it down. So it, it's, it's a close call. You see lawyers now using media now. You see in the other case we were talking about, the Clenny case, they were attacking that victim, you know, um, going after him when he was stabbed by the girl and killed, claiming he was sexually abused. <laughs> They're denigrating the victims and trying to push it away from them because the facts are so bad against them. We'll see if it plays out. It normally doesn't work that well, but we'll see. Hmm. Um, you know, both uh, Carrie and Tim, Chris, are talking about the timing of this. What is the right timing with PR? Um, not necessarily this case, but how do you know when to go public with something? Does it vary from case to case? Is there um, kind of a sweet spot that you found? Uh, it, it really does vary uh, from case to case. It really depends upon the situation, circumstances, et cetera. Maybe backing up to this, I, I want to provide some context. I, I, you know, the, In those 800 pages 
of uh, documents that were released, there was one paragraph uh, related to me that has uh, caused a lot of speculation by people. Uh, just to explain my connection uh, to the, the family and, and, and uh, the work that we did, uh, again, the, um, going back to what I talked about from the onset, we do pro bono uh, work for uh, families in crisis. When I say we, I have a couple of volunteers outside of my company. We were contacted by a friend uh, of the Gardner family, explained to us how the media was uh, having a detrimental effect on Shanna's children. Uh, they were incredibly intrusive. Uh, they you know, couldn't go anywhere without, without being attacked, photographed, et cetera asked if we would come in and consult and, and help them uh, specifically to the kids. And these kids are victims. These kids are uh, victims regardless of how this happened. Shannon's two kids lost their father. Uh, their mother's in prison. I mean, they, they have been through uh, a horrible thing. And so we agreed to assist them with the kids. We were, we were not hired. We did it pro bono. Uh, and, and worked with them for um, about a year. We haven't worked with them in the last year. So I'm not sure uh, exactly who's working with them or, or it, what they're orchestrating. Uh, you know, as far as the documents that were released, I'm not sure that they had much to do with those being released. Uh, you know, timing is everything, though, in communications. Timing is absolutely imperative. And, and you know, as Tim talks about, a good strategy involves communications and legal working hand in hand. Uh, and I'm glad, you know, Chris brought all this up. I was segueing into that, but I'm glad he did it. And um, I would say best guess, better community. But in this case, uh, the, not only are these the best guests, but uh, Chris Thomas is actually tied to this. Um, and he just explained how. And let me just kind of take a half step back, as Chris alluded to. So one of the, uh, you know, in, in all these documents, there was an application order for wiretaps. And again, shout out to Susan Harmon for helping break this down. Legal documents are not my forte. Um, and in this application order for wiretaps, they wanted to tap uh, these co-defendants' uh, phones, including Henry Tenen. There was a spike of calls to a company called Intrepid PR, well, who runs that firm? But it is Chris Thomas, and his firm is in Salt Lake. And where does Shanna Gardner's parents live? In uh, Salt Lake, and they're very well off. So uh, they had to get this um, application for uh, wiretaps in order to prove probable cause, as I said, to tap all six phones that they had that law enforcement wanted to tap. Uh, Henry Tennant had two phones. Uh, and just to point out, by the way, all these phones were in airplane mode during the murder, which is curious. But in this um, order for wiretaps, you see um, kind of a bullet point layout of all the different uh, targets, telephones, and who they were calling. And on here, it says, uh, Gardner attempts to call the intrepid group PR crisis management firm, calls Linda Lucchetti, her public relations firm, and has the duration of the a call. So that's how we know that they were in fact dealing with uh, a PR firm. Now, Chris, is Linda Lucchetti, is she part of Intrepid or is she someone different? She's not, she's one of the volunteers uh, that, that works providing pro bono uh, PR services. The other thing that, again, uh, you know, if you know about probable cause affidavits, these generally are written by, uh, and I believe it even in the document, you can see this by a member of uh, the Jacksonville Police Department. Uh, I use my cell phone. so. It, how they got intrepid they weren't calling you know the office line or we we work remotely 
Uh, again, you know, a lot of things go into that. Not everything is accurate as it relates to an affidavit. The, the purpose of that is to uh, have the ability to, to tap those phones. So it's a quick, uh, a quick summary that's provided and, and trying to be as, uh, as compelling as possible to get a judge to grant that. Uh, Chris, always very thoughtful and uh, explaining this really well. Well, there's a uh, super chat here from Lil Bit. Hi, Carrie. What a privilege. I started at 10 as well. I was blessed to hang out with Bart Connor for a couple of days. He was friends with the owner of the gym I trained at. Mary Lou Retton was my heir. For those who missed it, Carrie Zimmerman, our guest, is uh, an Olympian in gymnastics from 1976 montreal games you look like you competed in the 96 or 2006 right. carrie i don't right. know what you're, what you're drinking yes go ahead okay so she said she got to do some things that she got to meet nadia Comaneci, right no what she said yeah. um so <laughs> nadia actually married so nadia is the one that got all the tens in my olympics and then in her olympics <laughs> she married my male teammate bart connor yeah. So Nadia Comaneci and Bart Connor have been married and living in Norman, Oklahoma <laughs> all these years. So everybody thinks, you know, they're they're out in Europe somewhere, wherever, you know, they came from. But they all pretty much take off and come to the United States and live. But no, Nadia and Bart has, have had a very successful gym in Norman, Oklahoma for 20 or 30 years. Yeah. And that's who she met. Bart Connor is who she said she met. I don't think she met, actually Bart met Nadia. Yeah. But um, Carrie, here's an interesting question for you as we go around the horn here. <clears throat> Please comment on how wealthy defendants are treated versus those without funds. So glaring in this case with a couple who have different means. I think, you know, referring to Henry Tenen probably and Shanna Gardner, as well as right. Mario Fernandez Saldana and Shanna Gardner. But do you have a take on how the, the wealthy are treated in the court and the justice system opposed to? those who don't have the same sort of uh, resources financially? Well, the one thing I would say truthfully, Joel, is that most people aren't gonna do it for free. You have a guest who's wonderful and jumps in and helps families mm -hmm. for free, but typically that's not the case. We don't do any of this kind of work. I wanna, I wanna state that first off. We do <laughs> consumer branding and then we have a whole hospitality division, but um, it does take money, you know? And like in our instance, we would never take a project we only do minimum of 12 month retainers. So, you know, if somebody comes in and says, can you help us for three months or four months or six months? We're a hundred percent no on all of that kind of thing. So you really have to first off, find the right kind of firm that does this kind of work. And you need to make sure, Tim, don't kill me when I say this, but you know, this is going to be true, not directed toward you, just in general, is that you've got to make sure if you do have the means and your law firm or on your own, you decide to hire a PR firm, how much of that is really going to really have any cause and effect on the outcome? Because there's an awful lot of, of um, law firms that love it when somebody spends money and it ends up boosting their ego and their profile as a law firm or as a lawyer and really doesn't do anything at all. And I would, I would kind of point out, bravo to you, Joel, on getting Dan Roshbaum to come on, right? And you had this exclusive interview. It was fantastic. But as a PR person, and that was the, the Markel case, right? The Charlie mm -hmm. Adelson. And, and, yep. But why did he do it? You know, and from a, it was a PR move. So the question would be is, did he do it because it was basically reputation resuscitation? 
I mean, because that's what it would be. You know, he represented somebody. He went down fast and the verdict came in in less than four hours. So did he do it to make his reputation, improve his reputation? Or did he do it to really try to Pollyanna-fy um, Donald Adelson? And if you read or listen to anything that she emailed her daughter um, when they in the Charlie Adelson trial, you know she's not Pollyanna. And um, so the real question is, is why, who was paying for that? Who was paying for his time? Did he try to sue it on his own? And was it really because of him and making him feel good? Or was it really trying to have an effect proceeding when all the Donna Adelson stuff started? So I know that was a lot of answers to the one question, but yes, it does cost money. Yes, it's unequal because usually, and those are two perfect examples where the person who committed the crime, the, the exact crime itself, not in conspiracy, um, didn't have the resources and will never have the money that the people that paid them to do it have. So there's always that inequity. So yeah, and I would, I would add to that, Gary, you're, you're absolutely right. And that's, that's why we do what we do pro bono. Uh, we don't charge regardless of uh, a family's means, but the vast majority do not have uh, the ability to hire a PR firm or hire somebody that can direct them at all. And, and so under the banner of familyspokesperson.org, uh, some volunteers and I provide that service uh, to uh, survivors of, of, of crime. That's awesome. Uh, and that's a great thing, I think. Uh, uh, from Megan Elizabeth, what can I say? This has devastated more lives than you can even know, as it has affected countless demonstrators and people who no longer have, uh, will support stamping up as a business. I got to be honest, I don't, I'm going to have Chris explain this in a minute because I think he probably knows it better than all of us. But before we get there, shout out to Dom's mom uh, for uh, gifting five surviving the survivor memberships. By the way, Tim Jansen, how big a deal is uh, Carrie in Tallahassee? In Tallahassee? Is she a legend up there or what? Uh, she's a big deal. If you saw her house in Seaside, you would know what a big deal she is. <laughs> um, it's not bigger than the Tim Jansen estate. Oh, no, 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 no. We're in two different worlds, okay? I'm a trial lawyer. She's a successful international ad person. Uh, <laughs> let me just add on, on on this thing with the complications when you have a law firm and a PR person. Mm. I recently had a very wealthy client, and they wanted to have PR people doing things. It's a nightmare for a lawyer because you don't want them going out doing and saying things that affect your defense, that make him look bad or, or put you in a spot you have to respond. It's and, and a lot of these people that have money, if Carrie can tell you this, they think they know how to try cases. They think they know better than the lawyers trying them. Um, it, it can be difficult. And, and I'm seeing limited amounts can be very beneficial. Um, I know when they had a U.S. attorney here, Larry Keefe, who I went to law school with, he came in the office and hired a PR firm, Ron Sachs. And Ron Sachs was doing PR work, announcing indictments, and then Prescott. I'd never seen that before. And I was a federal prosecutor for five years, defense lawyer for 30. I never saw a U.S. attorney hire a PR firm. And I thought it was a little, it was a little, it just felt dirty. They're yeah. supposed to be doing the right thing by announcing the indictments not running PR campaigns. Um, so it can be tricky on both sides. I'll tell you, Carrie, you know who could have used a PR campaign is uh, Charlie Adelson. And what's interesting is some people have recently come out um, 
Ben Graber is one of them. Um, and he <laughs> he's spoken publicly about what a great person Donna Adelson. Do you, and again, they have a lot of money. Do you think that they are trying to push a narrative, if you had to take a guess, in a case that's similar to this one? You don't know for sure. But you do know that it does, you know, having other people, if there's somebody that mm, might not have the best character, right, and it has a lot of accusations against them, it does not hurt. It might not eventually sway people, um, but to have other people showing another side that shows that they're gracious and they're expect for in her instance, that she's a good mom and that she takes care of the children and that, you know, maybe she does great with her legal work that she does. So it doesn't hurt. Um, whether I, whether or not they're paying for that, it's really, really hard to tell. But a lot of building someone's character, you know, taking care of the reputation, making them um, a little less, going back to Tim's word, because I like that word, dirty, you know, and less included in them. It might not sway a jury in the long run, but A, it makes the family feel a little better. And sometimes it's really just so the family can get out what they want to get out there. Um, but a lot of times it's strictly that people do feel like they need to come forward if they have somebody that they really like, appreciate, and all they're getting is torn down constantly. If I can, if I can just say something kind of on that, the control hits, I think, because we're all seeing a lot more PR fed into the legal world. Right. You used to always see the normal, you know, you stand on the courtroom steps and say they didn't do this. He's innocent. Oh, my gosh. It was on every TV show. And that was kind of like as much PR as most people on the legal side was were really doing. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of it is organic. Right. So when docs are dropped, there's police investigations that come out. Now it's jailhouse calls. That's not really PR. That's just information that's gone out. But it's how you draw from that information. You know, how you pull out sound bites that might say, oh, he sounded like he was crazy. Or did you hear what happened, you know, in the in the Shanna Gardner case with the church, you know, and with their preacher? I guess it wasn't preacher, whatever he was. Um, but what would it have been? His priest? I don't know. But, um, pastor, but it I think. Is pastor. Is that right, Chris? Chris, pastor? Uh, bishop in the, in the bishop. Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, yeah. Okay. Well, you know, mine's my preacher, so. But, um, same thing, same thing. <laughs> um, but but the fact of the matter is some of it's organic and some of it is not. But we have seen such a massive shift. And I think that's why I've been so interested in so much of the crime stuff is just as a, a PR person. It used to be the media had gatekeepers. You know, there were gatekeepers at, at, at New York Times. And I mean, you name it, there were people that's job was to check sources. Their job was to double check and triple check everything. Mm -hmm. And you couldn't get a story. You couldn't get a story. You couldn't get in the newspaper. You couldn't get in TV. But at now, the millennials, the Gen Zs, you know what their number one source of news is? is social media. Yep. Now, so now, now bozos like me can have a show that people watch. It's kind of, it's a crazy, I just, I talk about this all the time. And it's a crazy world. I mean, we're old enough, this panel, to remember, uh, you know, Tom Brokaw, Dan Rather, Peter Jennings, when it was three main people. And before that, you know, Cron Cron yeah, the others, um, the real old school. Tim, don't date yourself too much, Tim. But in order, Gen Z uses Reddit, then TikTok, then Instagram for their news before street <laughs> even gets into the mix. So... But what that's done for the legal world and everybody else is that has opened up a conversation like through podcasting, right, um, that you really couldn't manipulate 
because the editor or the producer would not allow that story on. They could see straight right. through. Now, that sounded really bad, like I was just saying something terrible to each of them. I was not right. saying what I'm saying is there's plenty of people that have guests on and there's some crazy people and they can say anything they want in some mm -hmm. instances with no consequences. And um, so that really has opened up kind of the Dick Harpootlians of the world to be able to go crazy and <laughs> manipulate what the media is saying. A lot of people believe it. So sorry. Yeah. And no, no, and I, I think it's really interesting because if you dissect it even more, I mean, look what's happened to you used to have traditional media, even the traditional media outlets. Look, Fox is far right. CNN is claims to be somewhere in the middle, even though they lean left. MSN, I mean, they everyone is just so tribal. Even when you go to quote unquote traditional media, um, you can't get objective right. news anymore. I was thinking about this the other day. There is no such thing anymore as objective news, in my opinion. Um, they have to play to their audience, right? Because yeah. that's where the money right. comes from. That's yeah. right. Where the money yeah. comes from their audience. And so they have to play to their audience segment. And the headline you will see in their in their platform that is not streaming is a lot more mundane. But as soon as they get it onto their new streaming, suddenly the headlines are a lot more salacious because they know that's the audience. And so they they have to be they they're look they're looking for clickbait. 100 yeah, percent of the time you're always looking for clickbait if you notice um i noticed this with fox news i don't know why but when they when they when you get an alert from fox news it'll always say like rock star dead at 73 it'll never reveal the name so you have to click on it because your brain's like who is this person? but it will never have the name a uh, shout out to Dwayne harris gifting five surviving the survivor memberships always generous out of detroit um chris and then i'm getting back to tim jansen on some legal things but What's so interesting to me, uh, Carrie mentioned, you know, uh, you know, the, the steps of the courthouse, the PR person for defendants used to be the Tim Jansons. It used to be the criminal defense attorney, wasn't it? They used to be a media gaggle and the defense attorneys, guys like Tim Jansen, who are very smooth talkers, would get up there and say, <laughs> my client is 100 percent innocent. Those hundred people's throats that he slit, that was an accident. He slipped on a banana peel. He was carrying a razor. He did not mean to kill those hundred people. I mean, isn't that true that they used to be the, the PR people? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I, I think to some degree they still are. As we talk mm -hmm. about the new media uh, paradigm, though, uh, it, it's not just a gaggle of reporters who are covering it. it, it it's everybody and their dog on social media, which really creates a challenge if you're on the other side. Uh, if you haven't been there, you can't even start to understand what it's like to go through you know, your worst nightmare and having the public watching and having everybody dissect everything you say and, and, and do. And I'm talking broadly with, with you know, 100 clients I've worked with. Uh, it, it, is, it is such a challenge. And, and lawyers, some can be very good. Some also can be, you know, like you say, can, can uh, not, you know, in some ways not do their clients uh, a favor, but it, their job is a, a legal perspective. You know, when I'm working with an attorney on a case, we're very much looking uh, at both the court of public opinion as well as, as the court of law and, and which one trumps. And it's, you know, in a, in a big case, it's the court of law. And, and so very limited in what, what can be said. So, Joel, uh, let me give you an example, Joe. Go ahead, Tim, Jim. 11 years ago, when I represented Jameis Winston, Jameis mm -hmm. was up for the Heisman Trophy. The state attorney did not want him to win the Heisman Trophy. He was holding back, deciding whether or not to file charges. And so he kept holding back to wait till he got a DNA. 
I got word that the DNA came in and it was going to clear him. I leaked it to Shelly Smith at ESPN. And it, we did it for a reason, because then the state attorney had to come out and say no charges against Jameis Winston. That was on a Wednesday, I believe. So that meant the Heisman voters had Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday to vote for him. The state attorney would have just waited and people would have not voted for him. So not only doing my legal work criminally, I had to think about his reputation for the Heisman. And so we, we, we made a decision. We had a live press conference outside the courthouse and the largest one I've ever done. But I, I truly believe that helped him win the Heisman. Um, and sometimes you have to do that for your clients. Carrie Zimmerman, still a bigger deal than Jameis. Go ahead, Carrie. No, I was just kidding. I said, Tim, did the Gator Nation get mad at you after that? <laughs> they did not talk to me. I went to the governor's mansion with the, for Gator Day, and a guy says, what the hell are you doing here? Well, I'm like, really? They, they were mad. There you go. Um, so, yeah. Tim, a couple of questions directed at you. Uh, someone yeah. had a, wanted to know, uh, because Shanna Gardner left Florida and ended up in a, a nice neighborhood in Washington state. Of course, her family's in Salt Lake City, by the way. Uh, they stood, whoever this person is, I'm not going to even, obituary. Obituary. Uh, it's not what you know, it's who you know. That's usually the case in life. Uh, they want to know if the fact that she went to Washington state is uh, emblematic of consciousness of guilt. Uh, what, do you, what do you think, Tim Jansen? Is that something that the uh, state will bring up? I don't think they can. It's a little different than Donna going, flying overseas and going, you know, with a one-way ticket to, and plus her statements. Um, she was going to a treatment facility and a lot of treatment. She might've found one out there, a treatment facility, and her parents were living out West. So it, she wanted to get away get, or take the kids away. So that's explainable. And I think that, that that's actually reasonable. I don't think Donna has anything reasonable to say. I don't think any common sense person that jury is going to buy that she was going on vacation with a one-way ticket. No one buys that nonsense. And that's the problem with Dan. He has to sell nonsense and you're not going to have nonsensical people on the jury, hopefully. Uh, especially not in Tallahassee, which uh, the Adelsons were making fun of. Um, and it came back to bite him in the behind. Uh, from Webfan, hi, C by the way, uh, the COE got, got some hate mail today and uh, guess who was first to send it to her? Me. Brought a little sadistic smile to my face, but uh, I guess she told some people about it and they are now calling her the Notorious COE. I love that name, uh, the Notorious COE. Chris, I, I know you're kind of caught in the middle here, but uh, True Lifestyles uh, asking a question. It's Linda Lucetti, I believe, but does she still volunteer, do you know, at, uh, at your PR firm they want to? So, so she never volunteered at, at the PR firm. So we have a consortium called FamilySpokesperson.org, which is the banner in which we provide pro bono services uh, to families in crisis. And, and, and we pick and choose who we work with. Uh, there's also a tool there for, for families to use in, in doing their own uh, communications. And, and so Linda is a part of that, as well as a, a number of, of other volunteers that uh, give their time generously to, to um, families in crisis. Um, Carrie, since Chris worked on this, let me ask you, just broadly speaking, Armand is a friend of the show, always here with really very interesting questions. 
if it was you, and I know you don't do this type of work specifically, but you're, you're a true crime devotee now, what would be the <laughs> PR strategy for Shanna? Uh, make Jared a bad person? Like, how would you approach it hypothetically if the gardeners came to you and said, uh, by the way, super sticker from uh, Dwayne, very generous guy, too generous. Stop it, Dwayne. Um, but Carrie, what would your um, strategy be if the gardeners hypothetically reached out? First, I wouldn't talk to him, but if I had to, um, I would I would literally tell them to wait until they start seating a jury or a little bit before they start seating a jury and just try to be as positive as possible. I think all of this, any strategy that is making the ex-husband, Jared, who was basically executed on the road with a child in the car, any strategy that's involved in making him just look bad is not going to work. It's just going to make them look terrible. So the best thing they can do is she's a wonderful mother. Have the kids out at the park if she's not in jail. Is she going to be in jail? Till this? No, she's not going to be out of jail. But um, she's, just, she's they, they're, so, they're, they're asking for her to be bonded out. Tim Jansen says no way. Never, but go Never. But my point is all that the best they can do is just treat, try to play on her as a wonderful mother. Anything they can do, photos or videos of them, the little kids when they were growing up and all that. And that I hate it. I think that's dirty, filthy and makes me want to throw up. But um, that would be about the only advice I can give. But definitely do not 100 percent. Definitely do not attack the ex-husband. By the way, this, I, is a, this is a this is a. Chris, did you want to jump in? I'm sorry. I was going to say, yeah, it, make, it makes absolutely uh, no sense. You know, as I, I stated at the onset, uh, we were very much representing the interests of the children in this. Uh, and at one point uh, early on, there was a lot of conjecture because uh, Shanna had not spoken publicly. She'd been asked by uh, the, the other family to not discuss anything publicly. And so it was this damned if you do, damned if you don't situation where uh, she hasn't said anything. And then knowing that if she says something that it's that it's going to get slammed at the same time, the media was so intrusive that the decision was made in the best interest of the children to do an interview, knowing that it was not going to move the needle. It would not be positive. It would put out at least the fact that she had done something. And it was very successful in in um, the, the media back down once she did that. Uh, but the things that we did were very much focused on how do we uh, take the pressure off the kids? How do we help the kids navigate that? Uh, in the affidavit, it, it talks about when Henry uh, Tennant was being arrested. We didn't know who. We know there had been a development in the case that it wasn't Shanna. And, and we recommended that in the best interest of the children, uh, that they get a hotel and, and, and check in under an assigned name because media were camped out in front of their house. So as we looked at it, we were looking at it very much from a kid perspective. I don't know what you would do in a situation like this, Carrie. I really don't think there's much you can do to, to uh, move the needle at all. Uh, and, and I, I, you know, putting some images out there showing, you know, that she's a mother, showing some connections, showing humanity. I, I agree with you. It's about the only thing that, that you, you could do. But if you are doing something from a communications perspective, it's got to have a purpose and it's got to align with a, a, a broader strategy. Uh, but, it, you know, somebody smarter than me would have to figure out that strategy because I, I, I couldn't tell you what they could do uh, that, that would be beneficial at this point. Uh, by the way, if you're hearing a little feedback, that's off of my microphone, and uh, we're going to get the COE in here to fix uh, this mic tomorrow because I simply can't do it. But it's so interesting to me as a media guy to listen to 
Chris and Carrie talk about PR almost like a science because it really is in a way, obviously very subjective, but they're uh, really smart in terms of how to assess the situation and then deal with it. Uh, Miss Jessica NB, Carrie, I trained at Cincinnati Gymnastics Academy in Fairfield, Ohio, which Mary Lee Tracy owned and Amanda Borden went to my high school there. Yeah, you go. and I know Amanda really well. That's great. How, That's Carrie, how, how wild is it that you competed in the 19th? What's that? I, no, I you, want to you can, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. How tall is a man? How tall is Shanna Gart? She's she's tall. I don't have a tall. She looks like ten. I think she's got to be five ten or so. Five ten. Five. I met her once in person. I don't recall her being that tall, but maybe she is. Yeah, and next to her, her husband's very short, so I don't taller than her lawyer. Yeah, if you see the husband here, he's substantially shorter than she is. Me ask the question right there. Yeah, she's also a, uh, I think she's like a bodybuilder. They met at a gym, so she's um, in some serious shape. Uh, Miss Cece here, I've been doing sports PR for 15 years for professional athletes. Believe me, it makes a huge difference when you have a client that has the money, especially in a crisis PR situation, followed by True Lifestyles, carries energy, is um, awesome. Complete non sequitur here has nothing to do with anything. I took my beloved mother to see her newest great grandchild and I picked her up because I'm the great son, son that I am. And I took her to Miami International Airport. <laughs> she said she had a present for me and I got excited for a minute and she handed me the gift. And it is a, I have no idea what's going on here. She gave me a fire blanket, a blanket that you put onto a fire. Didn't even. Didn't even register on my radar, but then she told me it's because she was nervous because we have like a bar and then a stove. Uh, and she told me that since I have a gas stove with flames, uh, she was worried and I could throw the blanket. And I said to my mother, I have an electric stove with no flames. And she said, keep the blanket anyway. So I got a mm -hmm. fire blanket from Carmen. and I put that on uh, Instagram at Surviving the Survivor. Like I said, it had nothing to do with anything. I was just thinking how incredibly uh, weird that is. COE, we already uh, addressed this question uh, up here and um, got another couple of questions. But uh, Tim, there's something else I want to uh, ask you about. Um, actually, let me go to Carrie on this one. It's not really a legal question. But in this document dump, Carrie, you find out that two weeks before the murder, Jared Bridegan sent Shanna Gardner, uh, his estranged wife, an email telling her he was planning to have one of the twins that they had together baptized in the Mormon church. His daughter apparently wanted to be more involved in the church. From a PR standpoint, this hurts Shanna Gardner um, because maybe it's even some sort of motive. You know, he wanted her baptized. Um, what do you make of that? Well, I think, you know, I, I am not a, your, I, is there, was your father a psychologist? What was your Psychiatrist, father? yeah, psychiatrist. Um, you know, there's things that trigger people. There absolutely are. And I think religion played a huge role in the Adelson case, right? And there were a lot of trigger points that is that really have people upset. And I think this could be another one that actually the prosecutor could use. Is it one more thing that somebody's 410? Sorry, start looking. <laughs> I don't know how you don't look at those things while you're talking. The um, but but I think I don't even know what you're asking me. <laughs> um, you know what? 
I have no idea myself at this point about, oh, about the baptism. Um, Chris, it's huge. Huge trick point. And Chris can talk more to that. But we see that over and over and over again. It's not the only thing. But I would certainly, if and Tim can speak to it, I would certainly use that ha- having happened just a few weeks before to show maybe that was something that really just put them over the top. By the way, I'm glad I'm not the only one stamping in the barnyard. My mother brought both my sister and I a fire blanket from Christmas. My mom is 90. Maybe it's an 84 and older thing. Um, but Chris, to you, um, what about this fact that was just revealed in this document dump that it was two weeks before that Jared sends an email to Shanna saying, hey, I want to get uh, my daughter baptized. Um, will that hurt, in your opinion, Shanna's case in terms of you know, public sentiment and jury sentiment when that's revealed publicly? Uh, it, you know, it, it really depends. I think anytime, uh, you know, this would be more of a Tim question that you're trying a, a case, uh, there's circumstantial evidence, right? There, there's no proof that that led one way or another. Maybe there is, but it, it's unlikely that there is. And so, you know, what are you choosing? What are you not choosing uh, as, it, as it relates to that? It's interesting, as, you know, going through uh, the 800 pages of documents, uh, just how much detail there is and how many different things you can latch onto. Um, Tim Jansen, one of, uh, in this pile of documents, like 800 pages worth of documents, one of Jared Bridegan's relatives revealed that Shanna Gardner, according to this relative, had spoken about hiring a hitman. The direct quote was hiring a hitman to take him out. Um, that seems like hearsay. What happens to that statement uh, when this goes to trial, if it in fact does make it all the way to trial. Okay, so we're getting more similar to the Adelson case. Uh, Wendy apparently said that also to her boyfriend. It was motion and limine to keep it out. They asked her about it. She denied it. Under for impeachment purposes of a witness, you can ask them. So that came in the back door. That hearsay came in. That's why they called Wendy back to the stage after stage kept saying stage because I thought she was acting up there. Um, She had to admit that, and she denied it, but it got before the jury. The only other way to get it in, it's a hearsay statement, is if there's an exception. There are many exceptions. One can be through a co-conspirator statement, right? So what if she tried to hire a hitman and that guy said no, but he introduced him to somebody else. And that person introduced him to the guy that ultimately did it. That could be a co-conspirator statement that they're not indicted, but it can be admissible as non-hearsay. Um, so there's ways around this stuff, you know. Um, the fact that she wanted to, or he wanted to have him baptize a Mormon, that clearly goes to motive. Um, it, it's, again, another parallel to the Adelson case. He threatened, they threatened to have him baptize Christian. Um, so there's a lot of parallels there. Motive isn't always necessary, but when you have it, the timing, uh, prosecutors will tell you they don't believe in coincidences. Things happen usually for a reason when there's a murder. And if it's especially between the strange people and something bad happens, that's not just a coincidence. That's what they call a piece of circumstantial evidence and a motive. Um, and, and I'm sure the state's going to introduce that. And I'm sure Jose is going to fight it. Uh, Aquamarine Blue making my heart warm. I'm learning new things here. Um, that's what I love about this show. I learn new stuff every day. And again, uh, it is not just a tagline, the best guess in true crime. It is our reality. Um, 
little bit here telling us, look at this, triple digit show off. That was always a dream of mine. I am four foot six. That's why they call her a little bit. Uh, religion would be a huge trigger. Carrie, how tall are you, Carrie, if I may ask? You're not supposed to ask a woman her age, but I can ask you her height. Uh, probably soaking wet, 5'2". <laughs> now, let me ask you this question. What made you an Olympian? There are so many young women, girls, women, uh, young people who want to be, it's their dream. I know one uh, is friends with my daughter. Shout out to Charlotte. I won't say her last name. An amazing gymnast at nine years old. But what was the difference? What made you an Olympian where 99.9999% do not ever make the Olympics? And don't be that's humble. A, no, 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 no. I'm just saying that's a really nice question. The... um. You know, it's interesting because you don't, you, it's years later that you really think about it. You don't think about, you know, you're so busy training that you don't think about it then. And I think there, it has to be the perfect, first off, it's rarefied air, truthfully, to be an Olympian. You know, it's probably the most elite fraternity in the world. Like in my instance, the year I was on the Olympic team, there were six of us. Now that's every four years. You know, so six people in four years in gymnastics made the Olympic team, which is amazing. But it really has to be the perfect mix between athleticism, you know, true athleticism. You do, you can train, but you still have to be naturally in, in my sporting way, flexible, strong, and some other things. But it also has to blend with somebody that just is relentless and will not give up and never says no and doesn't mind that every part of you is painful. <laughs> and we were talking about Tim's broken ribs. I was like, oh yeah, I broke my ribs, hit the bars, broke my ribs, hit the beam, broke my, broke, I mean, broke my ribs, hit the bar, hit the beam. Um, you just can't give up. I mean, you really can't. And there's some people that will have the most tenacity in the world, but they won't have as much talent. I mean, quite honestly. So it really has to be the perfect storm between talent and relentless, never say no, never give up and just have an attitude that, that takes you where you want to go. Well said. And uh, I'm a big fight fan. I was just listening to, listening to a fighter say that everyone at the professional level has got the athleticism, the skills, the all that, but it's all mental, uh, you know, in terms of consistency and what differentiates you. Uh, the static COE, we're going to have to fix this, fix this tomorrow. Um, Chris, a good question for you, and then a couple more for Chris, and then a few more things, and we'll wrap it up. How much is too much PR? Is there such a thing, or is it best to get out in front of bad press? Kind of two different questions there. Yes, it's, it's absolutely best to get out of, uh, out of bad press. Uh, if we know something is going to hit with, with one of our corporate clients, uh, one of our families, we, we uh, generally try to be the ones that provide that information. Uh, on the flip side, how much PR is too much PR? Usually less is more. It depends on the circumstances. Uh, you want to make your statement. You want to be clear in your communications and, and then often uh, stop. It depends, again, in, in a crisis situation. John Morgan does not believe in less is more. <laughs> yeah. That's why he's got the biggest personal uh, injury firm in the, in the world. He's the biggest uh, law firm in the world. Yes. Uh, COE, we've got to figure this one out. Josie, we're annoyed by this too. For some reason, notifications are not going out and uh, the COE 
and Space Coast are uh, are working on it. So we'll try to figure out what's going on. Uh, Tim Jansen, a couple of other legal issues we've got to get to, a few more things, and then again, we will wrap this up shortly. Uh, there's talk about um, severing the cases. Are we going to see that? Do you think that uh, Shanna and um, Mario's cases get separated so they're not being tried together? Well, we know that the courtroom has two jury boxes. So a lot of times they get severed because of what's called brutal problems. Evidence is going to come in against one defendant, but it can't come in against another. In these cases where you can move the juries in and out, you can bring that evidence in and take the one jury out and then bring the other jury in. So they might have solved that problem. Not all courthouses have two jury rooms where they can sit two jury, two jury panels at the same time. Um, it's complicated, but I, I think they want to try them at the same time. I wouldn't be surprised if the ex-husband doesn't flip. Um, I, I guess the current husband, I, I don't know if they're divorced, but I, I, don't, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't flip. Um, and I think Jose is, has been awful quiet, and maybe he's just getting up to speed, but I would think he would be coming out and doing a lot of the PR for the Shanna. And he's pretty slick. Uh, look at this, Allie B from Tennessee. Why is it always the COE's fault? You know, I never said it was her fault. I just said I can't fix the problem. I said that she's so smart. See, this is PR spin. My wife is so smart, so intelligent, and uh, so handy that only she can fix the problem. I have no way of fixing it. Annie K, it is a is it a PR nightmare that they're being tried together, uh, even with their own attorneys? Um, Carrie, you want to take a stab at that? Because I want to go to Chris for something else in a moment. If they if they get tried together, is that a problem uh, from a public relations standpoint? Tim, I'll go to I'll defer to Tim on that. Tim Jansen, I, what do I you don't think? see the I don't see a PR problem. You ask really me, le- ask me legally if I'm Shanna, do I want to be tried with him? There's pros and cons, right? Because he's going to clearly be tied to the shooter. She can say, hey. I got his, this guy wanted to blackmail me. He hired this guy. I had no idea. Now he tried to blackmail me and say he did it. He can do the old Adelson defense. Um, so it might be beneficial having him at the trial. She'll look, they might not have much evidence against her. Hmm. And if he goes first, then if he gets convicted, maybe he'll flip on her. Um, Chris, this is something that I've not been able to figure out, but I'm like a little slow on the uh, on the uptake here. Stamping Up is this big company that the Gardner parents own in Utah. What is it, and what are these people who keep talking about being demonstrators? Uh, can you fill us in? Uh, no, just a little bit about it. Again, uh, Shanna's uh, mother started uh, this company, Stamping Up. Uh, I believe they provide uh, stamps and scrapbooking uh, equipment or, or materials, and uh, they, they work under a distributor model. Uh, a direct sales model where uh, they have people selling under people uh, and, and, and they sell all over the world is my understanding of, of how Stampin' Up! works. And from what I understand, their revenues are like a hundred million a year. Do you, do you understand that to be the case? That it's that big? That, that's what I, I've read. I've read the same thing. Yes. Yeah. Um, so anyway, they've got um, a lot of financial uh, means. Um, thank you for this. I love this channel. Consistently excellent panel members. Kudos. Appreciate that. Um, Tim Jansen, 
Um, Susan Har Harmon flagged me on this. So there's another case going on uh, out of the Jacksonville area. Um, I always get the counties up there a little confused. Um, St. John's County, this is going on. There's a guy named Ver Virgilio Aguilar Me uh, Mendez, and more than close to a half a million people have signed a petition. Basically, he's being um, cornered and suspected of killing um, a law enforcement official, but that law enforcement official had some sort of medical issue, and apparently this guy is being completely railroaded and uh, from what I'm understanding, uh, Jose Baez is going to get this guy off and it's going to kind of, you know, he's, it, but it's a fairly, relatively speaking, from what I understand, easy case for him to win. Um, is there any strategy here legally that he's taking? First of all, I don't know how he can handle this many cases just up in this area if he's getting paid what he's getting paid. Um, but is it, would there be any strategy to taking a case that you're almost sure you're going to win ahead of another high profile case that you're not so certain of winning? Well, that's always a good strategy. If you know, you're going to win, you always take those cases. Um, St. John's County, as I believe that St. Augustine, very Republican County. I think it's like 98% white, very affluent. Um, it's a tourist destination. If you ever want to go, it's a great place to go for the weekend. Um, very, I, I would take it's a very conservative community, but you know, you never have ca cases easy to win. There are no easy cases to win. And if any lawyer tells you they've never lost a case, they're just lying or they've tried one case and they won. Um, because no case is easy. You never know what a jury is going to do. You never know what witnesses are going to do. Sometimes they show up, sometimes they disappoint. And I don't know. He seems to be running on a pretty good streak. I'm curious to see what he's going to do with this case because I think the evidence is pretty uh, overwhelming that she had to give the information as to when that drop-off was and where when to drop that tire. Um, so, And we've got the shooter test testifying. that It's not like we have the Adelson where everybody clammed up, everybody got their own lawyer. I think he's got a public mm -hmm. defender. So we'll see. Um, but it's always great. I love going to trial case. I know I'm going to win, right? You hate to go to trial with cases. You know you're going to lose. But sometimes you have to because the client said, I'm not taking a deal. Do what you can. And you do it. Uh, Chris from Kimco, um, I think I know the answer to this. But why was pro bono needed if they have all this money? Yeah, they they offered to pay. In fact, they they wanted to bring the agency under contract, and uh, we we said no. We work pro bono. We with families, it doesn't matter their ability to pay. Uh, that that's how we do family PR, and it also gives us the opportunity to more easily extricate ourselves. There have been some cases over the years where they and Carrie can relate to this. When you have a client who's not taking counsel when they're difficult to work with or they're not grateful, <laughs> you know, we, we, we've stepped away and, and it's, it's a lot easier to do that uh, early on in a case. Uh, you know, they, they're fluid. They're always fluid, but early on, you know, you have limited information that, that you're working from. In fact, we were working from the premise that her attorney uh, had talked with the, the Florida uh, attorney's office and said they weren't investigating him. Uh, she had done a couple of of uh, interviews with the police in the days following uh, the murder without, a, without an attorney present uh, and uh, was cooperating. And so, you know, it was very different circumstances, you know, when we initially uh, set out to help their children, 
than it is today. And so things change. So we always want to have that ability uh, to to be able to get out of something if it's if it's not you know if, if there are things that aren't right or if it's not working. Um, look at this, Carrie from YouTube user. I've uh, Carrie's autograph and photo. The tra team trained at the gym I trained at prior to the Olympics, and they had a meet and greet. So someone's got your uh, autograph out there, uh, Carrie. A lot of people, I imagine. Um, by the Can way, I yeah, go ahead, Carrie. Well, one of the things that, that I don't know whether I'll be insulting Tim or insulting my <laughs> youngest son, who is a lawyer, and his bride-to-be is also a lawyer, new lawyers. Um, but in, as they went through law school, I just kept saying, there's so many parallels. I'm trying to hide the sun. That's why I keep moving. <laughs> the sun's going down on the beach. There we go. Hold on. Move it a little more. There we go. I've got my head just right now. The um, the law practice in some ways is very similar to public relations, very similar. And again, might not everybody agree with that, but it takes great strategy to do what you're doing. And the timing is very important. And the perception and the management of the perception, the management of an image is very important. Um, the fact that you have some people you'd really like to just put tape over their mouth and tell them to quit talking so you can get your job done is very important. Um, playing the cards well and controlling the messaging, that, that might be a small part of what is happens in a legal perspective, but it's very much the same. And we all bill by like the five minute increment, but you know, which is pretty important. But there are, to me, there are a lot of similarities. And I think that's why I've been kind of um, drawn toward it is looking, especially on the criminal side, is looking at the strategy and how effective you have to be, how you have to have media choreography, just like you'll analyze who's in your jury. Jur I never can say jury, jury <laughs> pool, um, and make sure that you've looked at the, the demographics and the psychographics and everything else. We have to do that exact same thing in PR every day to decide how we're going to deliver the messaging. Just like, Tim, y'all might analyze who's going to be the judge. Oh, my gosh. Right. Here's how we're going to have to change the strategy. We, right? we do do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Based on who the judge is, we're doing the same thing with the gatekeepers of the media. You know, mm -hmm. who we go to that's going to kind of lean toward us and what we want to say and that's not danger zone you can do interviews that end up disastrous because you have not done your homework on that editor or producer or whatever so um i again i i see there are a lot of similarities there's a lot of we get to be a lot more creative in pr than, than a lawyer does but creative in a different way so anyway i just wanted to throw that out there that um it to me it's very similar and so i think that's one reason why i'm drawn toward it uh, Carrie, two things. Tell your son, congratulations, Mazel Tov, as we say in the Jewish tradition, on his uh, upcoming marriage. And also tell him to go into PR, not look, Tim Jansen lives on the other side of the tracks from you. You don't want him becoming a lawyer. You want True. him to come and carry Zimmerman. True. Does not live on the other side of the tracks. <laughs> I, I, I was at Tim Jansen's house. Trust me. That's the other exactly. side of the tracks. Then uh, you're living very well, Carrie. Um, Dr. Reinhardt, is there a show or podcast where I can get up to speed on this case? I don't have a context for some of the things you are saying on this case. Yes, it is called Surviving the Survivor. I've done a bunch of shows on it. Um, I don't know. True Lifestyles, do you know of uh, other channels and probably including yourself uh, who've been doing work on this? We can let Dr. Reinhardt in on the uh, secret 
behind the uh, coverage of Shanna Gardner here. But um, shout out to Patty R. We really could use this. This helps us in ways people don't understand. Uh, I left five stars on Spotify. STS is really the best out there. Thank you so much. We appreciate that. Uh, Tim, one last thing, and then we'll get closing thoughts. Uh, we watched this hearing. There was a lot of back and forth between the state and the defense. The defense wants the state's case thrown out. The uh, quote was, the spillage of her attorney-client information throughout the law enforcement teams, which are Category A witnesses expected to testify in this trial, will amount to sufficient prejudice that we can never put the genie back in the bottle, and Miss Gardner can never get a fair trial. The prosecutor, meanwhile, argued her team never looked at some privileged communications that were accidentally sent to them. The prosecutor said, we removed them, we deleted them, we tried with good faith never to purposely or intentionally read anything, any disclosures or any possessions were inadvertent, and we took immediate steps to remediate our possession of these when we realized we had things we were not supposed to have. Um, how is the uh, how is this going to play out? Um, will the state? You, I know you've had a case where you had the state, uh, the entire state's team removed. Is there a chance here that that's going to happen? Well, I, I want to say I, I told this. I told you this maybe a year ago, Joel. Trials are like productions. They're like a performance. It's like a stage, and each side is performing. Okay. They say you want the truth to come out. Each side wants their version of the truth to come out. And they want to call their witnesses and they want to cross-examine witnesses. And then they're going to sell the jury as to what the truth is. Okay. So it is like PR. And if you can tell a story and you're credible, you're going to have more, be more effective with a jury. If you're not, you can't tell a story and you just get up there and mumble jumble. Jurors aren't going to trust you. You're not going to do well. So the question in this is. The defense wants the, the most radical decision. They want the, the thing thrown out. Okay. The state is like, hey, we might have made a mistake, but it didn't, it did, it's not prejudicial. The key thing is going to be did the information that might be privileged, that, that should not have been used, was that used in the indictment before the grand jury? If that information was used in the grand jury, I think the indictment will be thrown out. If the, it wasn't used in the indictment phase, and they were indicted without that evidence, then I don't think it's going to get thrown out. Then there's other remedies, whether or not this office should be um, disqualified and the governor will appoint an executive appointment of a different prosecutor's office to handle it. So that's the key thing. Was it presented to the grand jury and utilized in getting an indictment? If so, they might get the indictment thrown out. Hmm. There you go. There's the answer from the legal uh, wizard, Tim Jansen himself. Um, by the way, I don't have the link and I can put it in the show summary, but uh, don't forget to support the GoFundMe for uh, Jared's family court. Um, they're also filing for custody. They need some help financially. If you go to GoFundMe and put in Jared Bridegan, B-R-I, there it is. C-O-E is quick. There it is. I don't I still don't understand how if you put a link up like this, anyone can do. What are you going to do? Type in E2F9. I don't get it. I don't understand technology. I don't want to understand it. But Chris Thomas, I do want to understand and uh, appreciate him being here. He is president of Intrepid, a communication consultancy based in Salt Lake City, Utah. They did. Oh, they click on it. There you go. That makes sense. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, sorry about Joe. that, everyone. Um, I'm still learning things. Anyway, um, Chris's firm did 
do some pro bono work initially to help the children. He made it abundantly clear he's not been connected to the gardeners in uh, well over a year. Chris also, by the way, has a really cool book out, I think with the same publisher as mine, Postal Press. It's Mm -hmm. called Unexpected, and it's about his time with Elizabeth Smart. Um, You might want to check that book out anywhere books are sold. Uh, Chris Thomas, your final thoughts on uh, this case and PR or just PR in general? Well, thanks. Appreciate the opportunity to be on. It's always great, Joel. One, one thing I'd probably emphasize is, you know, it's it's fun to be a true crime junkie. I'm a true crime junkie. I love watching things. I love your podcast. At the same time, I think we can't forget about the fact that these are real people. Um, my heart breaks for the Bridegan family. My heart breaks for for the children, for everybody involved in this. And, and what you know, real people who are involved in these things are going through incredibly traumatic experiences. And, and I think we, we need to give them a little bit of grace, regardless of, of what side they might be on, uh, and, and have some humanity. And remember that, you know, these aren't actors. These are real people um, sometimes facing uh, the, the unimaginable. And oftentimes they're a cursory to what happened. They had nothing to do with what happened. They're, they're just a, you know, guilt by association and are caught up in the middle of it. So we can all use a little more grace in this world. Uh, That is very well said, and uh, I would have to agree with you a thousand percent. With that said, I, too, am competitive like Carrie Zimmerman, right as the COE took down the comment I wanted to read it. I'm going to bring it right back up. Uh, STS is the best in the highly competitive true crime industry. Kudos, STS. Conor McGregor, who I can't really stand, a UFC fighter in his Irish accent, once said, we are not here to take part. We are here to take over. (laughs) <laughs> that's what we're gonna. That's what we're gonna do with this podcast. I'm gonna uh, channel my Carrie Zimmerman competitive spirit. Before we get to Carrie and her closing remarks, we've got the legal eagle. Thank you, Lindsay Shea, famed Tallahassee defense attorney R. Timothy Jansen, a partner in the firm that bears his name, Jansen and Davis. He's done it all, including five years as a federal prosecutor. Tim, does this go to trial? Will it be death penalty? And what else? Your final thoughts. Well, those are questions. Tallahassee has a hard time getting the death penalty here. I can only recall one case in the last 30 years. I'm not familiar with Jacksonville's history and jurors of death penalty cases over there. Um, I, I, I don't know. I can't answer that question. It'll go to trial for sure. They're not going to offer anything. Um, and Chris made a great point. Um, I do this. I did this as a prosecutor as a federal prosecutor, and I did it as a defense lawyer for the last 30 years. And we talk about these terms, we talk about strategy, and we talk about winning for our clients. But sometimes we forget the people we are representing sometimes have done bad things. And there are victims out there. Um, And sometimes I try to tell my people, just remember, you're representing not only our client, but their family, because our clients, when they go to prison, you, their family suffers too, and their family didn't ask for it either. So I always try with a sense of humility, understand and appreciate the role I play, but do it in an ethical manner and, and try to do the best I can and make sure everyone I represent gets a fair trial. I don't guarantee everybody's going to win, but I try to, I, I aggressively represent my clients. And I, I think Carrie knows that. <laughs> By the way, someone mentioned that even the uh, Parkland school shooter did not get the death penalty. Um, and a lot of parents, Parkland parents, wanted that. And uh, if he didn't get it, uh, it's going to be a hard 
call for uh, Shanna, a mother, that's for sure. Um, I'm trying to get my book club to read Joel's book. I would love that. And someone asked um, if we're doing it at Hearth and Soul on June 6th because it was formerly Mosaic. That's just a coincidence. Um, that's where Wendy was at. But it's uh, uh, just this one has been announced so far because we're still working on the rest. But I will be in Tallahassee with Carm by my side. And hopefully... I'll be there. waiting for Allie B. Tim Jansen will be there. Carrie Zimmerman will be there. And it's uh, June 6th. Uh, so I hope to see everyone in Tallahassee. Uh, please, please come out. would love to see you um, there. And of course, last but not least, the great Carrie Zimmerman. Uh, she is the co-founder of the Zimmerman Agency. Their portfolio includes American Airlines, Domino's Pizza, the PGA Tour, Hard Rock, Firehouse Subs, the list goes on. She's a United States Olympian, the first American woman to score a perfect 10. Carrie, how did you take your business from a PR firm to representing the biggest companies in the world? How did you do that? And your final thoughts. Okay, that's not a little ant question. <laughs> it's not a quick <laughs> But I will tell you, um, and I, and one of the things that I think is very important, just like I said in sports, right, you have to have some natural talent what, that fits for your sport. You know, you either have to be tall or short or flexible or strong or whatever. And you've got to be able to combine that with just an amazing amount of passion and will and never giving up. And I didn't really think about it at first. It was finally other people about 10 years in and 20 years in. Now we're about to have our 36th, I think. Um I never realized I took all that with me. You know, I took all that with me. And that is that you don't, you, you never just do it. I always say is there's a four letter F word. I won't say it. You know, I don't want you to like, you know, get in trouble. But to me, the four letter F word, that's like terrible. And nobody should get off a call with a client and say, oh, it was that word. Or nobody should show creative campaign and say, oh, that word. But to me, it's fine. It's F-I-N-E. Was it fine? And I don't think any athlete trains to be fine. You know, you train to win and do the best you can and beat your competitors and do everything humanly possible to take your body to the limits and, and do the best you can. That means you may not win. You may be a hundredth, but you're doing the best you can. And I'm a big Carrie, I, gotta, I, have, I have to interrupt you for one second, Carrie, because look at the COE. Uh, this is she knows this is a battle. Um, I despise the word fine. It drives me insane. When my mother uses the word fine, I go ballistic. Um, no, I hate it. It's, it's allowed. It's not allowed in our family. It's not allowed in the company. If anything was fine, then you did not do what you were supposed to do. <laughs> that's not what you that's not what the teams collaborated on and did all their homework and were so creative and worked so hard to be fine. And I think too many people, especially now, think. Their job is based on was I was I did do I do okay today was I fine and to me that's just not good enough so um, I don't like that word don't ever use that word that's, that's why she's an Olympian and you're not everybody you got to have that mental toughness and she obviously has that and business savvy uh, Marcia is asking I'm not bringing it up look she's asking did you write <laughs> yes I wrote a book it's called Surviving the Survivor available on Amazon for pre order right now I'll be in Tallahassee June sixth. An amazing panel here. Great show with great guests, as always. I really did love this panel. Great mojo. Thanks, Wildfire. Doing fine. They'll drive me nuts. Um, appreciate it all. I saw someone, I think it was Obituary, said they got a, a perfect 10 on their SATs. That's pretty good. 
Um, so appreciate you all being here. We will get Carrie back on, Chris back on. Tim Jansen is a regular. Love you, America. Love you, Utah. Love you, Tallahassee. Justice for Jared Bridegan. Justice for Dan Marco. Oh, by the way, tomorrow, 5.30 p.m., we've got two former students of Dan Markell's on. Join us with a third guest coming up. See you tomorrow. Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and... The chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. (laughs) Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.